1: Welcome to another episode of The Undercurrent. I'm your host, Tara Sloan. Today's show means a lot to me personally. So I was really excited and truly honored to welcome Aiden Cleary to the podcast. Aiden has more than a few titles. He is a theater producer and director, he is a law student. And why Aiden is on with me today, he's one of the founders of Team Trans, believed to be the first all transgender and non binary hockey team in the United States. Now, Aiden left hockey for a while because for someone who identified as non-binary, it didn't often feel like a safe space. But thankfully, he found his way back. And because of Aiden and Team Trans, hockey feels like a place where it can be for everyone. Here is Aiden Cleary. Aiden, thank you so much for joining me today. I've been following you for so long on social media, so I'm really grateful you took the time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having
1: me. So I have to admit, I am mining a little bit of information from Sharks president, Jonathan Becker, who did a a talk for internal members of uh, the Sharks organization. And so I I think he he found out some stuff about you that I think is ungoogleable. So I do have to give (laughs) give him some props. Um, But I think sort of first and foremost, we'll start, I, I honestly didn't know before I watched that, that You're actually from the Bay Area. You grew up like not just a Sharks fan, but like an OG Sharks fan, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I have an original 91 Sharks, like those jackets that I think they're remaking now. Oh, yeah. but They're
1: they're so cute.
0: So slick. Yeah, I got one of those. (laughs) I love it. My my grandparents, uh, my grandmother was a funeral home director in San Jose in 1991, and so she was a season ticket holder to the Sharks, and so... uh, I kind of grew up with it and my birth certificate or not certificate, the birth announcement
1: mm-hmm. was a
0: San Jose sharks draft card. And so it has my name and my weight at the time of birth. And, um, my, I was listed as defense and stuff like that. So it's pretty cute. So no, I've been a long time sharks, uh, sharks fan and uh, person in the area. I grew up in Santa Rosa, uh, which is about an hour North of San Francisco. And then I moved for high school and hour South to, uh, San Jose and I played for the junior sharks too. So I've been around.
1: Okay. So, I mean, it's one thing in this part of the world to, to like the sharks and to go to games, but it's another thing to actually get on the ice, right? Especially back then, it's not that long ago, but it's not like there's ice everywhere when you're growing up. So what, what led you to actually put on the skates and, and try hockey?
0: Yeah, I think it was just that that was part of my family's blood and dna at that point you know um because my parents had gone to the games in 91 to 94 until i was born and um by the time i was two years old i had skates on and by the time i was four i was out playing hockey so uh at that age you're kind of just going along and both of my parents played my mom and my dad um and so it was a pretty natural you know connection that i and my twin brother kieran as well would play
1: how seriously did you take it? How how far did you take it <laughs> at that point as a junior shark?
0: Yeah, uh, well, I played up through 18s and I kind of got to the point where I was converging between going to pursue my career in the theater and ice hockey. And I love ice hockey, but I was going to go do theater. So I ended up taking a slight turn for the normal <laughs> kind of hockey play route. And I Instead of going to a hockey school, I went to Sarah Lawrence College in New York, which is a formal all-girls school, uh, and there was no hockey program, no sports at all, really. Uh, There was a basketball team that lost to the Culinary Institute a lot, uh, and that was kind of the extent of it. So uh, I took it seriously, you know, but I wasn't going to the NHL, and (laughs) I kind of, you know, let that end, and now I play for fun.
1: You did say that there was a point um, at which you became disillusioned with the game. And I mean, there's a lot of conversation, you're involved in a lot of conversation, I'm involved in a lot of conversation um, about hockey culture and how it's not necessarily accommodating, welcoming to everybody. And this is the work that both you and I are doing. Um, when did you hit that point? Is that is that why you kind of backed off or was it literally just you went off to, to college and stopped?
0: Yeah, I think that that was a big role it and what it was ultimately was it was a big role in me looking for another outlet Mm -hmm. and i find hockey to be a very creative outlet i think it's a great place for expression and it is to me uh the distance between hockey and the theater is very little and so i find that it's kind of the same thing that you're doing ultimately it just one has skates and the other usually doesn't but sometimes does if you're uh some broadway (laughs) productions this season Um, so I think what it was, was as I was getting a little bit older and I was always very different as a child, I was really weird, uh, and kind of, um, I marched to the beat of my own drum was kind of the thing that people would say about me. And once I started hitting puberty and a lot of those changes started kicking in, those changes and differences became a lot more pronounced. And so I was playing hockey in Santa Rosa. Now it's about 13 years old, and we hit that bantam year. And I'm a uh, late November birthday. So I was always kind of youngest mm-hmm. on the team. And we reached a point where I was four foot nine, 90 pounds, playing against like six foot two man children who were like 200 pounds, you know. <laughs> and uh, needless to say, I took a nasty hit and broke my collarbone. And instead of going with my brother and my dad to the rink, I went with my mother to her job as a stage manager on a children's production of Annie at Rouseville Theater in Santa Rosa, California, and I uh, I fell in love with the theater there really, and I I loved Annie. It always has a special place in my heart. Easy Street is an absolute jam if you know it. <laughs> um, but I think that when I was playing in Santa Rosa at that time, it was a very um, it was a very aggressive environment, very aggressive culture. It's uh, a little bit more rural and uh, uh, quite a bit less open to difference or it was mm-hmm. at the time. And it was kind of a situation where I couldn't go into the rink without being called a three letter F word, you know? And it would just be kind of constant and it was physical abuse, you know? And so I was dealing with a lot of like physical and emotional abuse kind of every day at the rink. Mm-hmm. And then when the theater popped up and it was like, oh, I can go somewhere and not get a concussion, this sounds great uh, and that made me think theater was great. And now 15 years later, uh, I can guarantee you that theater was just a much worse decision. I, I recommend if you're choosing between a career in the theater or a career in ice hockey, <laughs> do ice hockey, way less injuries, <laughs> you know, uh, way friendlier employment law. So uh, really can't, uh, can't uh harbor that enough but um no so that was kind of the path for me and and I kept playing ice hockey uh during winter and then I would do theater in the summer Mm -hmm. and then once I turned kind of 16 I decided I wanted to do more theater and I did both at the same time um and uh so that was kind of it and eventually I felt like I was good enough to you know pursue theater full-time and I did um so that was kind of the way that that went
1: but hockey somehow called to you again and you found your way back to it. This is a bit of an aside, but you know, there's, there's a book by um, these great journalists, Jessica Luther and Kavitha Davidson. It's called loving sports when they don't love you back. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, I kind of, I just have that in my mind. It's like loving hockey when it doesn't love you back, you know, but you love it and it's, it's in your blood. Um, so how did yeah. you find your way back to the game? Like how were you able to reconcile um how it made you feel sometimes and, and your love for it.
0: Yeah. I mean, by the time I left, I didn't want to play and I didn't find it fun. I went away to college and I was really ready for some distance. And the only time I really ever wanted to play was my brother uh, went to Boston college and played on the club team there and I would play with him. And that was kind of the only time I ever really wanted to play hockey. And I loved that time with him. I loved getting to skate with him. And so I think I didn't quite realize it at the time, but I always loved hockey, Mm -hmm. you know? And as I started to reflect on how I felt about the game and started to get a little bit of distance, I was able to reconnect with what really mattered to me and what drew me to it. And it was mostly the time that I spent with my brother in our front yard, shooting pucks, uh, hitting the cars on our block. you know, it it was that time that was special and that was fun. And it was going to tournaments, you know, it was meeting people from other places. Uh, One of my teammates who I had first met when I was playing for Santa Rosa and he was playing in San Jose is a part of my groom's party at my wedding next year, Mm. you know? And so I think once I got some separation and was able to focus on the things that I really loved, which was the connection and the expression, I was really able to kind of parse through what it was about hockey that was appealing to me and why it was able to help me express myself and connect to other people in a way that other things weren't. And as I identified that I was really drawn to come back in and what kind of pushed me to come in the way that I did was talking to coaches. Um, I I had really great coaches in San Jose and uh, Kurt Wozniak was one of them at the time whose son also played in the junior sharks. And uh, he, uh, I talked with him, you know, and I was like, well, you know, if I come out then, would would you guys have been ready? <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. even talking with my own father, you know, would you have known what to do? Like, how would you guys handle this? And we talked about a lot of the kind of areas where like USA Hockey doesn't provide guidance, you know, and uh, I'm a level two certified USA Hockey coach. And, yeah. uh, you know, yeah, yeah. And there's no real cultural training there. Um, the on ice or the, uh, for the ice element is sparsely there, but there's no cultural training. And I, even in 2021, uh, one of the heads, uh, directors of USA hockey said, uh, boys will be boys in the midst of a call. And I, in front of 50 people had to unmute myself and be like, can you repeat that? You know, and, uh, and he got very clustered at that uh, and kind of had to walk it back. But but there was and kind of remains no cultural education. And so I started seeing like, well, I guess I should probably go back and try to find some way to supplement this or try to kind of do something about that because I had a a bad experience in Mm -hmm. hockey ultimately, you know, as a youth and um, as a a trans non-binary kid, like who didn't know that at the time, I didn't know until I was 20 years old. And so I ultimately wanted to come back and kind of prevent some of the things that happened and try to have some kind of an impact. And if I couldn't prevent those things, at least give something to look forward to, you Mm -hmm. know, so that that kind of, um, what was the phrase it gets better. So there's actually something to look at for, it gets better and not just kind of a general like, um, principle and an idea to look forward to, but something tangible.
1: So, you know, it, this there's so much to unpack and, and so much to talk about and, and so much that hasn't changed I mean you know people who follow along know that hockey Canada is going through some major uh dismantling and, and uh, a lot of criticism right rightfully so um but they just released an, a report that said that they had over 900 cases of on-ice discrimination and over 60 percent were directed towards sexuality or gender, gender identity so that's you know, this is recent stuff. So, but there are people like you, there are people in this space, people like Brock McGillis, who you work with, um, who are working towards making change. So clearly you you don't do this unless you see some light at the end of the tunnel, right?
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> you don't. It's <laughs> awful, you know? Um, but yeah, you do it because you see a potential And I think that's one of the things that a lot of people miss when they criticize um, anyone coming into that sphere who wants to make changes is that it's not that we hate the game, you know, or that we hate the people running the game. Mm -hmm. It's that we see something special. I see something special when I look at hockey and when I look at our community, when I look at the people that are already there uh, and the people that we can have as part of that, there's something so special there. And what happens now is generally good. You know a lot of people have generally good experiences with hockey when they leave Um, if they leave you know when they're young they tend to leave youth hockey and they say you know i learned a lot of great stuff you know it gets a little bit more vague when you press what did you learn what exactly was that what did you carry away from this you know and i i think a, a lot of what i uh, am trying to be doing it's pressing for us to be able to identify really clearly. This is what I learned. This is how I apply this to life. This is how playing hockey taught me how to live in our society. Um, And we don't currently have that now, but we can and we should.
1: Mm -hmm. So let's get to Team Trans and and how it was born. I mean, maybe first of all, just sort of give me an idea (laughs) of what happens when you don't have a safe space. I mean, what you went through, right? Slurs being thrown at you, physical violence for people who are trans and non-binary or even just marginalized or disabled or, you know, what what happens when you don't have a safe and and inclusive space?
0: Well, I think you have two core options. You either leave and you go find one elsewhere or you put up with what you have and you find different ways to cope and some are healthy and some are not. And you kind of have to grind through because you love something.
1: Right. So team trans, um, I mean, what, what was the idea behind it?
0: Yeah. Team trans, you know, I don't actually know how we got connected, but the other co-founder and I were connected to each other and we were like the only uh, trans hockey players, that we knew of besides Harrison. Um, and so him and I were like, wouldn't it be great to have a team? And that would be cool. Uh, he's actually, or was based in San Francisco and was uh, with the San Francisco Earthquakes. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of had that Bay Area connection, which might've been how we got connected. I can't remember. This was several years ago. But then uh, a couple weeks later, I was playing out here in New York City and I was playing in a, a game with the New York City Gay Hockey Association, who are great. And we were playing against the uh, Boston uh, Pride, the Gay Hockey Association in Boston. And it was kind of an intercity or an intercity uh, match to kind of promote, you know, um, community development. And we were out at a bar afterwards, and I was talking with some of the people from Boston, and I said, "Oh, well, I'd love to do this." And they said, "Well, how can we help you?" You know, uh, and I kind of thought that that would be it." And we exchanged emails, and they were very nice. and um, then like a week later, they emailed me and said, all right, let's, let's get something going. And that ended up being the first, uh, the first game in Boston, that was team Transverse uh, the Boston pride, uh, team. And we played there with, I think, 13 players. We scoured, <laughs> uh, the globe and the team has players now from as far out as Australia. Uh, and all over the U.S. and Canada. I think there are 300 people on wow. the team uh, oh that we've made contact with or something like Fantastic. that. There yeah. are a lot more. And our, our general kind of theory with Team Trans, one of the things that's really fun about it is that it's not based in one locale. So it's mm-hmm. not a Boston-based team. And part of what we really wanted to do when we created it was instill uh, this idea that Team Trans isn't a physical team it's not necessarily where we're putting on the jersey and playing the game but anywhere there's a trans hockey player team trans is playing Mm. um and so uh i don't run it very much anymore you know i i kind of I i give in a little bit of you know advice or whatever here and there but what i think is really special about the team is that it's very democratic and it's not something that one or two people own and obsess over it's something that our community owns And so uh, it's governed very democratically and we make decisions about where the team makes official appearances very democratically and we work together and it's a huge operation. There's a Facebook group that if you're a trans hockey player listening to this, please look up the group on Facebook, uh, trans hockey players or team trans ice hockey. I can't remember which one it is. We'll admit you and um, you can be part of the team and, you know, interacting with everyone. Decisions are made on a huge scale and i think that that's part of what's so exciting about it is that it's not confined to any one space and it's very very inclusive in that way and has very much a global uh global draw and global impact
1: so how many actual meetups uh have you been able to have or are you able to have
0: let's see so i'm not sure i've not been able to go to one yet um but we've had i want to say five something like that quite a oh, lot it's, it gets it picks up a lot we've had five big events there are tons of smaller events and uh we've just had a chapter open up in um uh, the twin cities and so if you're in that area they're doing things constantly um and there are meetups now that happen as well when like we're not there people just get together because they like each other you know and mm-hmm. don't necessarily play hockey they just kind of hang out you know or they meet in a digital sphere and almost all on twitter um because we are insufferable uh and that's where everyone (laughs) on (laughs) goes to be that and uh so yeah i know but it's an incredible community that's massive and i think it's the kind of thing that had i known i was trans or had words for that Mm -hmm. when i was younger if i had known that that was out there i would have been very excited to get in contact with them and to be part of that um and so I, i think it's been a real treat to be part of and to have been a co-founder of.
1: Well, I asked you what happens uh, when hockey doesn't provide an inclusive space. So then I'll ask you the the converse question. What happens when it does? You know, for somebody uh, who identifies as trans, non-binary, um, gender fluid, who hasn't had a safe space, a safe locker room to change in, Uh, a a friendly environment, what does a a space like Team Trans offer them?
0: It's a place to really take off. You know, so much of the challenge of being a trans uh, or gender nonconforming person is building up your own identity. You know, so much of what we go through is an experience of having other people telling you what you are and how you should be. And when you walk into that locker room, you walk into that space, you have, for a lot of us, for the first time, an opportunity to define yourself on your own terms, without anyone telling you who you are, what you need to be. And so what you ultimately have is this place for artistic expression, Mm. where you get to define what your gender means, uh, but also the way that you relate to other people you know, you get to build your own uh, experience with a society that accepts you uh, at this really core level. And so you have the opportunity to kind of, I think, let go of language. And this is an issue that I think is really core to uh, a lot of the trans experience, as well as the gay experience, and a lot of the experience of uh, minorities in the U.S. and outside. But is that one of the biggest problems for us is language. English isn't built to accommodate differences. It's meant to uh, extinguish them.
1: Mm.
0: And so when you have an opportunity to do something like hockey, I, I uh, poorly paraphrase, but one of my favorite uh, notions uh, from a play is from Brian Friel's play, Dancing at Lughnasa*, where he talks about language giving way to movement. Uh, and I think that that's what you get when you have hockey. Mm -hmm. You have this opportunity to let go of the language and express yourself through movement uh, physically and also um, politically, not in a partisan way, but in the way that you are presenting yourself uh, here in the US or up in Canada or anywhere in the world. Because the reality is that being trans and being open about it is unfortunately a political thing uh, Mm -hmm. all over uh, most of the globe right now.
1: These, I certainly don't have to tell you are, um, dark times. (laughs) These These are, uh, is that an understatement? I mean, it's, it's a, it, it's just, you know, you can doom scroll, um, and just end up in the fetal position, right? There's, it's, there's a lot going on. Um, and in particular, I mean, one of the more disturbing things that I see is a real war on trans people. Um, in the face of of this, uh, well, I'm, I'm going to get to a, an article or a series of articles that, that I saw. So there was a, a big meetup. Uh, Team Trans had a tournament in Wisconsin in November. By all accounts, it was amazing, right? I, my understanding is it was awesome. 80 people.
0: Yeah, uh, massive. But- it was the first all-trans tournament ever that I know of in ice hockey. So,
1: yeah, right. it was so it's a beautiful thing everybody left feeling great there was an on ice injury and the newspapers or some publications just absolutely ran with it because maybe just tell me the nature of, of that injury and and what the media uh, yeah i like. mean
0: there's video of it or there was at least online um but a player was getting out of the penley box and tripped a player who was getting by and that player Uh, hit their head on the ice and got concussed you know um which sucks you know of course um but then a lot of newspapers in the uk kind of ran with that story uh and you started to see or we started to see a bunch of stories coming out of the uk uh about uh quote biological men who are trans women you know uh beating up on women which is kind of a long held Uh, fantasy for a lot of people and Mm -hmm. um, it's certainly not our first time experiencing transphobia with the media uh, or misogyny and I think it's really interesting that those articles got picked up and they did end up going up to Fox News you know and we started having comments from um, uh, Tucker Carlson and people like that but I think Think that what really stuck out to me about all of it was that it was covered by people who don't cover hockey. Uh, the UK or care is about not, women. <laughs> yeah, or care about women, or care uh, about women. And so I, I think, like you know, uh, the UK is not exactly a hockey hotbed. Uh, as much as I do love the EI, EIHL, um, it's uh, not. And I think the first major article that I saw was for I can't even remember what it was, but it was one of those kind of you know uh, tabloid. Uh, newspapers in the UK that's just kind of like you know not exactly the New York Times Um, but they were running with kind of a false story on it and things like that and um, that's part of what happens you know you expect to see that and I think what's important for us our community and our team and our friends to understand as well as a lot of onlookers is that it's part of a proxy war you know Transness is what, uh, especially in the U.S. and a lot of uh, the Commonwealth, uh, what the uh, those areas have had their eye on since uh, gay marriage was legalized, uh, and a lot of the gay rights spots have kind of been lost by a lot of conservative groups. Um, but it's not really about us, you know. Uh, They don't really care about hockey. They don't really care about sport. It's more about the ideology behind it Mm -hmm. um, and pushing that ideology and holding on to uh, a Britain and an America and a Canada uh, that has long since uh, left the train station. Um, So it's disappointing to see. And I think it definitely can be rattling for those of us who aren't as accustomed to being, you know, harassed online but um it's also a great thing because i think it's a good sign that we're doing something right Mm
1: -hmm. i think
0: anytime someone feels threatened by the work that you're doing you're probably in a good space and i think one thing that i've certainly learned from my work in the theater is that if everyone likes you you're doing something wrong
1: right
0: so i think i'm very proud of us and i'm glad that everyone is making a full recovery
1: fantastic uh I want to talk about a, a, a seemingly uh, emerging allyship between Team Trans and the NHL, um, at least as <laughs> exhibited by one tweet. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, they have obviously teams have pride nights and um, pride tape does a great job of getting, you know, pride tape on sticks. And um, but, you know, I, I don't know it's probably varies by team, you know, certain, certain organizations are more committed than others. Um, But there, there was a tweet that was uh, sent out in response to a total transphobe and the NHL, I'm going to read this, uh, the NHL supporting the trans tournament, trans women are women, trans men are men, non-binary identity is real. Yeah. that's. I mean, that's, that, that doesn't get sent out without, it going to the, you know, the toppity top, right? Yeah, so that that was, I read that as being quite meaningful. Did you think so? Yeah, uh, yeah,
0: I, I didn't have that on my 2022 bingo card, for sure. <laughs> that was, that was really exciting to see. And I think we have such a well they won't they experience with the NHL our community in general you know I, I feel like we're in the midst of a uh romantic comedy or like the beginning of season three of a tv show and we're the two you know love interests in the show and it's like will they won't they are they going to get together and so it's been really nice to see that trending uh, in that direction and to see the support yeah. from the nhl and you know it really does depend on the team and the nhl is obviously made up of the owners and the ownership changes on a regular basis but. I mean, my experience is mostly confined to San Jose and I have all in all had a great experience. You know, like you said, Jonathan has brought me Mm -hmm. around to talk. I talk with him on occasion and, you know, send him, um, things. And before he came in, you know, I was, uh, had a lot of support from my coach at the Junior Sharks, you know, and, um. I had, uh, support as well, uh, from your HR team and, uh, from John Gustafson, you know, and people like that who, um, were doing a lot of those small things that don't get noticed, don't get picked up by news outlets. you know, helping you learn how to reach people. How do you talk Mm -hmm. in a way that people will listen? How do you get into the rooms that you need to get into to have someone listen if you have something to say? And, um, those experiences are invaluable. Is that the right word? I, yeah. I think that's the right word. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but they are. And um, so seeing the NHL as an entity, uh, getting behind that in such a public way was really important. And it's also something that I talk about a lot. Um, the fortunes of the NHL and are the security of the NHL and the security of the trans community are linked. You know, uh, there are much larger kind of um, issues at play. It's kind of that proxy war like I'm talking about. And I, I think a lot of what you're dealing with in hockey and with the trans community is a democracy. You know, you're dealing with um, this minority of people uh, who need a seat at the table, who need their human rights guaranteed, who need all of these different things uh, that we have not traditionally had and um the nhl is in and of itself uh an entity but it's run by people uh and a lot of the people in the nhl have overlapping um concerns you know mm-hmm. uh are jewish people in the nhl and uh that is very very much right now a threatened group mm-hmm. you know and and they're uh lots of black people in the NHL, both in uh, the management and also uh, on the ice. And um, to build a product, both on the ice uh, in the offices uh, and with community, uh, you need to provide that support to provide that safety, those human rights uh, for everyone. And so I think it's great to see the NHL getting behind that. And I think, and I hope, that that kind of alliance and that kind of friendship is one that will be beneficial for them as well in the long term and all of their employees.
1: Well, yeah, I'm. I'm I know the reason I'm here is because I I do also believe that the the Sharks organization has uh, the right intention and that's very meaningful. Um, I want to talk about just a little bit of the other work you're doing. First of all, let me just get your life straight a little bit. Oh, <laughs> are God. you are you law school too? Right now? Yeah,
0: I'm uh, currently doing a uh, an immigration final exam, uh, and I've just taken. God,
1: it's could a, have used a, your help a few months hours.
0: ago. <laughs> no, you couldn't. You really couldn't.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> oh god, no. Um, but yeah, so no, I'm I'm in law school, and I'm studying. I'm um, I work for a Broadway general management office, and I'm working to be a producer. Uh, I have a show that just got a theater to uh, be my first kind of large show. I have a production company called Fair Play Productions. You can Google us uh, with uh, my partner and my fiance, Alicia. And we are premiering our first show uh, on a national tour of Ireland this summer. And we just got our venue booked for. Uh, for our opening um, no word yet what it is uh, I can't say what it is yet but because we're still getting all the other dates and everything down but uh, very excited about that Wow. and um, yeah so I and I went to law school because I realized that that's how kind of what you had to do if you wanted to be producing Broadway and West End and all of that kind of mm-hmm. stuff if you don't come from a trust fund mm-hmm. um, but if there's anyone out there listening to this who does have a trust fund who wants to get in <laughs> contact with me uh please do um because we will be friends for a long time and uh but you know it's a really funny industry because you've got half of these producers who just come from so much money that they don't really need to know everything that's going on and then you've got the people who are you know just know everything about the industry and the inside and outs of it who know rich people you know and that's right. kind of how it works and they they work with each other to build you know hamilton and uh music man and all of these shows that are coming out uh and every show that you see touring to san francisco and san jose at the mm-hmm. Performing Arts center there and um so i do that and i'm in law school for that uh but i have to be a law student like everyone else who's trying to be a litigator uh and so uh yeah so i do a full full oh my law my school gosh. kind of uh thing on top of working on top of doing other kind of hockey stuff which is just what i do for Fun and love. And then I also have a dog named Finnegan who's huh. the sweetest little guy. And uh and I'm getting married next year. So I'm also uh, wedding planning with my fiance. So Do you uh,
1: sleep?
0: No. No, I, don't. <laughs> I can't
1: imagine where you, you would sleep? find the time. Think, you don't sleep either, right? I I try to sleep, but that's Yeah, um... yeah, we all try to sleep. <laughs> but I'm not good. I'm not very good at it. But it sounds yeah. like your the hours of your day are certainly more eaten up than mine. Um before I let you go, I, I need to talk about um a collaboration with brock mcgillis you're a board member with the alphabet collective which is a movement started with with brock so what 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 is the alphabet collective and, and what's your role
0: yeah um so the alphabet sports collective is uh the new kind of nonprofit hitting the scene uh we're canada based um though i am one of i think two or three american uh members um and it's all about kind of bringing in uh, the LGBTQ uh, plus community into hockey, you know, and creating space for everyone, creating that kind of safe space that we were talking about earlier um, and a space uh, that is very much intersectional and is not just kind of for one type of, you know, gay men or something like that. It's very much about uh, building a new kind of community for hockey or sort of shoring up that community uh, and creating opportunities for people uh, to connect, um, both as fans and inside the game. Um, and uh, I work in comms, and you know, um, I honestly I don't do a lot. I just get to be around some of the most brilliant and forward-thinking people in hockey uh, who Brock has somehow assembled, and they are just brilliant just brilliant and uh, it's um we haven't really like fully launched everything yet but i cannot wait until announcements start coming out and events start happening and everyone gets to experience the alphabet sports collective because uh it's and the people behind it are really special Mm -hmm.
1: and this you know this is the kind of stuff that certainly gives me faith and hope to carry on you know it's there's a lot of people doing such amazing work um, and Brock is certainly one of them and you're one yeah. of them. So <laughs> you, are, you are, I mean, this is changing lives. Um, is there anything else that we didn't touch on that you wanted to make sure we, we got to?
0: Yeah. Well, you were an actor and a singer once, yeah, right? Was I, that yeah, a, I, what's the deal with that? Through- were you on TV? <laughs> I, it looks like you have an IMDB page. What's the, what's the yeah. deal there? Are you still?
1: I've been through it. I, my career has been a bit funny um not the <laughs> traditional not the traditional route to hockey yeah. yeah I mean I I went to theater school in Montreal yeah um I what did you go to Concordia oh yeah great
0: I hope you had a good experience yeah.
1: I did I, I left after two years because I started to, I actually started to work so I was like uh, I'd rather make money um <laughs> but yeah I did some you know I did theater I did musical theater I did tv I did a couple movies but But music was always my passion. I studied classical voice all through high school. Um, And I joined a band, I joined a rock band, and that was what took off for me. So I spent Mm -hmm. sort of the first part of my adult career uh, as a rock touring rock musician. Um, And then sort of TV, the the door to television opened. So it was, that was, you know, television broadcasting.
0: I'm so, oh, okay. Broadcasting. Broadcasting.
1: Yeah. So that's how I ended up in broadcasting. And then I steered myself towards hockey very intentionally because it was a love for me. You know, I grew up a huge fan. I'm Canadian, so it's just prerequisite. And here I am. So I spent, uh, you know, I spent eight years hosting a show in Canada and now I'm in California.
0: Well, can I ask you then, what do you feel like the difference is for you between theater and hockey?
1: Well, I loved what you said, but I, because I, I think outwardly people are think that there's no, um, association, but I mean, I, I think that theater or music, like any, any type of performance, um, you know, I think when you're actually able to be in the moment and I say this having never played hockey, but I mean, certainly being in the moment or in the zone, as you might want to call it in sports, um, being in your body and fully inhabiting it, I think there is that. And a level of preparedness too. I really like, I think you really do rise or fall to the level of your preparation. Um, And that applies in sport and it certainly applies in, in theater and music. Um, but there's a freedom in that, and I like I like mm-hmm. that you refer to it as creativity because I do think that you can be creative on the ice and creative uh, on stage, and so they're not that far removed from one another. Yeah, but it's not something. It's not a correlation you would immediately make.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's a jump. It feels like a jump, but I have a feeling that Joe Thornton would have made a great actor, a really <laughs> really great actor,
1: and I, popular. I think that.
0: <laughs> oh, I think he would. I He'd be Will Ferrell, you know, or, like he totally. would have been the next Will Ferrell, but I think that kind of draws to what I ultimately have to say, both in my work and here, is that they're both democratic institutions. And um, if you come from a country that uh, aspires to democratic culture, Everywhere you look, there are these democratic institutions that are built to help us transition from um, monarchies and uh, from a lot of less constitutional ways of life into Mm -hmm. democracy. And some of them are successful. Some of them struggle. Uh, It's all a process. Um, And two of uh, the best democratic institutions that we have come from uh, the same sector, which is culture. And hockey and theater are two of the most wonderful elements of the culture sector in the U S and Canada and pretty much everywhere else I've been. And I think that the distance is very small because the purpose that they both serve is to teach us how to be democratic citizens, mm. how to uh, build community, how to express ourselves and how to hold leaders accountable. Mm. And I think, that when I reflect on what I learned from hockey, what I want everyone to learn from hockey, it's those things. And to carry those out with them into whatever it is that they do with their lives in every moment of every day, because democracy is a way of life. It's a process, not an end of the way you reach with votes. Um, And as a trans person, uh, that's important because my life, And the life of people in my community is on the line every day. And we have a choice to make uh, both in elections and in just the small everyday way that we live our lives, whether we want to choose to be uh, democratic, which is usually very difficult and very painful and involves a lot of self-reflection that's not fun, Mm -hmm. Um, or whether we uh, want to go with some easier autocratic choices where we don't have to work quite as hard. and there's uh, one that wins out for me. You know, I want democracy. I want self-determination. And uh, I want peace and stability uh, and justice for people in my community and outside of it. And I think that that is what hockey and theater both ultimately can provide us if we heed the call. So that's kind of
1: where I come from. I don't know. You make me want to like go out and do stuff and be better (laughs) and be better. Aiden, you're a really inspiring person and fun. I I, I really want (laughs) to hang out with you, but you won't have time because you'll be too busy in law school and producing. I'll uh, (laughs) I'll make some
0: time next time I'm in uh, San Jose. We'll go to, oh God, can you hear that? My Siri is,
1: Oh No, I accidentally hit my Siri. It's not coming through.
0: Okay, wait. Uh, delete that. Delete that. Go back and delete what I just said about Siri. <laughs> but uh, no, we'll hang out next time. Next time I'm in, we'll um, I'll, uh, I'll I'll bring Leisha and I'll bring my grandparents. They'll show you the funeral home.
1: Oh my god! Because
0: uh, yeah. that's what they do. They're very into that. Uh, so um no, that sounds great. Hopefully, maybe at some point in spring, I'll get to come out and we'll we'll go see. Well, I mean, you have to go see the game because you work. You work for the <laughs> Sharks.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's part of what still. you do. Yeah, I have to. I'll, see I'll go game. with you. I, as I just fan. sit on the couch.
0: Yeah, yeah. You go to the but
1: um, I just bought a F, one of those like reverse retro, like the jacket you said you had from like whatever yeah. twenty years ago. Um, I ha- bought the new iteration of it, like with the seals yeah. kind of third jersey. Um, oh, those are all colors, awesome. and yeah. So like, people are, are giving make- the seals
0: thing a hard time, but I love it. I think <laughs> it looks amazing. It's
1: the best but- reverse retro in the NHL.
0: Here's the thing I will say, though, and this is uh, this is just just between us, you know, uh, and all of the Bay Area that listens to this, uh, not that all of the Bay Area listens to this, but whoever <laughs> in the Bay Area listens to this, the people that don't like the Steel stuff are people who are also San Francisco Giants fans. Uh, and I feel like that's a major red flag. You know, I, I was an A's fan. If you like the Giants, you like the team that has all the money to win everything. You know, I was there for the Moneyball years of the yeah. athletics, you know, and yeah. Those, uh, anytime I see like a nice green and gold, just riles up something real, like true, uh, true and real, uh, genuine. So, no, I love them. I think they're great. Go Seals.
1: All right. Well, we'll go to a game together. Aiden, thank you so much <laughs> for joining me today.
0: Yeah. Thanks for letting me take up your entire afternoon. I appreciate I loved it.
1: it. I, I love it. I want to thank Aiden from the bottom of my heart for taking the time to chat. As you can hear, Aiden is an incredibly busy person, and I really am wishing him all the best in everything that he is pursuing, which is a lot. And I want to encourage everybody out there, if you have an interest in Team Trans, if you want to join Team Trans, um, just look them up on social media. They are everywhere that social media exists, and it is truly a wonderful organization. Um, So that's it for this week's episode. I'll be back with another one next week. In the meantime, keep your fins above water. That's my phrase and I'm sticking to it. I'm Tara Sloan. See you again.